Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father God, we give you praise, we give you glory. Uh, We thank you that you are simply the most stunning, most attractive being we know. And that actually to live with you is to to gaze upon something that is transformative, something that is, um, yeah, transformative. That is, that's where I'm going to land. So Holy Spirit, today we thank you for the journey so far and this morning, being able to gaze upon Jesus through our worship, but we also thank you for, as we open up the word, that you do that which you said you were going to do and guide us into all truth, to bring to our memory and to bring to our our knowledge um, the, the reality of Jesus Christ. And so we give you praise, we give you glory. There simply is no one like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Welcome to those who I haven't seen in a while. Um, I want to make a public um, thank you to the worship team for stepping in the gap over the past six weeks as um, we took some time out, uh, which is always important. Okay, It's not sacrilegious to take time out. Um, God wants sons, not slaves. So... um, Let's make sure we always have that that balance. It's been great to see how things have just carried on. Um, so my title is, is on it's on there. So you guys remember last November, and uh, for those that were here, when the sermon title there was embracing the uncommon, embracing the uncommon. And if you remember what happened after that service. It was a moment for the ages, a moment that we, that none of us who were there would ever forget. I think it was a seminal moment in the church history, um, and I say that because the Lord has told me that, that that was a moment to just remember and to mark. Now, I thought that would be uh, an open door, as it were, for me to share some other things that I've had in my heart since 2019 to share, and God was like, no, not yet. Not yet. Wait, 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 wait. I said, okay, cool. Um, I trust you. So every time I've come up, I'm like, is it now? Nope. Is it now? Nope. Um, and then Elder Diddy sent a, a text to our group chat, and he mentioned about a coming revival. You guys remember that? He also shared it in church on the 2nd of April. I wasn't even here, but if you were here, you should remember. Um, on the 2nd of April, he shared about a coming revival. You know what? I actually might try to find the message he sent us so I can call it to count. So this is, I don't know if he shared anything more than this, but words to the effect, pray that you would all catch a light in CCF, that I would first purge that which needs to be purged and then ignite all of you. You know that I am looking to bring revival into CCF, don't you? It's going to come. Tell everyone it's going to come. Tell everyone that they should not leave because it's going to come. Does that ring any bells? Okay. 2019, December, I was on my way to lunch with Lucy, um, as is our custom. 
And I was on the bus, I was on the 468 bus going all the way from Croydon to wherever we met. Um, it was a long journey, and as I was there listening to, um, to my music, whatever, the Lord interrupted me and he said, why don't you ask me for a word for your nation? I was like, well, I'm on the bus. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not our usual moment where like, we connect. Um, but okay, and it was so strong. I was sitting at the back of the bus, I remember. And I was like, okay, so where, where do we start? <laughs> and this phrase erupted in my heart, um, entitled The Garden Revival. Okay. The Garden Revival. And then he gave me some instruction. And for the past four or five years, four years, I have been patiently waiting, assembling notes, listening out for different strains of different conversations to see how it all comes together. Because there is a coming revival. Um, indeed. Um, yeah, I know. But I wasn't allowed to share anything about it, except for with the worship team. So during the pandemic... Um, the Lord gave me an instruction to share with certain members in the team. I think I said with the musicians first, um, and then I think the singers. We were on a prayer call, and I decided to share just the outline of what I believe the Lord was saying. Um, the reason why he wanted me to share it with them first is not because he likes them more than you. Um, it was because his word that he said to me was that Judah will go first. So it was important that Judah, the, the praise and worship um, uh, individuals, had an understanding of his heart so that we could begin to sing into it. Um, and so whether you knew it or not, for the past three and a half years, that's what we've been doing. A lot of the songs we write, now you're thinking, like, oh, okay, makes sense. Um, have had this strain of a coming revival, um, this deluge of his presence, um, where he would simply overtake us, overwhelm us, and we'd be okay with it. Okay? So... The reality of the situation is, guys, that every, every garden starts with a seed. Every garden starts with a seed. Now, as is my custom, is I'll start with a little bit. Um, I'll just read something that I wrote. The garden revival is a revival that will be exclusively centered around the hosting of Jesus. His presence is the only attraction and will both stimulate and sustain the desire of the nations. Last November, when he visited us with an uncommon and uncanny demonstration of his presence, it was a sign that the gates were being opened. And now since then, if you remember, multiple messages here in church have referenced Psalms 24 and the gates being opened for the king. This is no coincidence. Okay. As we reside here, whether it be temporarily or permanently in Clapham, a gateway to the nation in London, a gateway to the world, Jesus is calling us to be a prophetic voice in the wilderness, commanding the dry lands to prepare for water and the labourers to prepare for harvest. Now, I believe that Elder Deji's words shared on the 2nd of April has given us permission to now begin to boldly discuss what we anticipate. No more hush-hush conversations in the corridor about what might happen. No, let's boldly be open about the fact that we expect and we are anticipating um, the Lord to show up. Similar to how he showed up back in November in that service at the end when it was just... I can't even put it into words, that moment that we enjoyed. Um, but even more so, that, let that be the, the base of our expectation. So it's given us permission to begin to boldly discuss what we anticipate 
And with the help of Holy Spirit, we now can investigate the condition of our wineskin in order to ensure that it does not break when the new wine is poured into it. We have been instructed to display a perfect marriage between the music and the message. When both merge harmoniously, you have the embers upon which the fire of his presence is lit. Every description of the divine presence in scripture shows both music and the message in perfect union. So that is what we must model here at CCF. Do not neglect this in the coming days. We will never become professionals at hosting his presence. And I'll say that again. We will never become professionals at hosting his presence. Rather, let us focus on being the mature sons that scripture speaks about, the sons that creation is waiting for. Then, and only then, will we watch and see the garden grow. The reality of the situation is, guys, that we do not know when the day one is. I'm sure those at Asbury um, University, when they met in that chapel, they didn't know that that was going to be day one. But they still met. They still had anticipation. They still came with the intent that this could be the day we encounter the Lord. The scripture says today is a day of salvation, does it not? When is today? Today. And tomorrow, today is the day of salvation is today. And on Wednesday it will be today. Okay, so there is no worry that we need to exert as to whether we may miss it because today is the day of salvation. So today could be the day. In the next hour and a half, we don't know what he might do. He may interrupt our week and where you think you are going to work tomorrow, you're not. Where you thought you were going to get home to check on the chicken, you might have to put in a call. You might have to put in a call to your neighbours. Don't know if you're friendly with your neighbours. Hey, can you check on the chicken for me? Turn it off. I'm not coming home for a while. Okay. I jest, but how many of us have actually positioned our lives to have the flexibility to host a revival? If it should break out now, how many of us would be ready or how many of us would have a list of inconveniences? that we'd have to fix and sort before we can participate. The level of sacrifice, I guess, is big. Hey, um, you know what? Something's happened at church. You'll see it on the news in a couple of hours. But I might not be in at work tomorrow. Or that party or that celebration you're ready to go to later on. That football match you're about to watch. Done. Sorry. Sidelined. I say these things because it sounds like I'm, I'm picking on the small things in life, but if we truly say that, Lord Jesus, come. Because that was the thing that happened back in November, if you remember. We ended the service and then he showed up. It wasn't necessarily in our usual timeline. It wasn't necessarily in the usual way. But collectively, we realized that we couldn't move away from this moment. I don't think, and I, I honestly say this, not in just, I think he wouldn't have allowed us to move away. If we would have tried, he would have come in even more potency. Because, I mean, half of us were on our faces anyway. So there was a potency to his presence, which he is bit by bit beginning to download and to ex- expose to us. 
We do not know when the first day of the rest of our lives will be. I look forward to, in 20, 30, 40 years, time meeting with you around a coffee and saying, do you remember those days? Do you remember when it first broke out? Do you remember when the fire started? These are the things that keep me excited. These are the things that, literally, they keep me up at night. Do you remember? And I dream about this stuff. I remember Pastor Rod said this once. He said, you do not know when the day is when someone's going to jump out of a wheelchair. But still, show up to church. Because that day might be the day. That day might be the day where something incredible happens. That we didn't know it was going to be on that day, but God knew. God knew 30, 40, 50,000 years ago. That day was going to be the day that he honoured his promise. So my question is, if we do not know what, when day one is going to be, shouldn't we therefore have an expectation that every day is day one? So next Sunday when you show up, this could be the day. That supersedes whether your favourite worship leader is on or not. That supersedes whether we sang the song in the key that you like. That supersedes whether there was water um, on the side, whether someone so was preaching. or what. It supersedes all these things if you're really serious about this. And I hope you are. Because God will start to break us out of these, um, these trappings that we've sought refuge in in order to qualify as a good church service. The reality of the situation is Bill Johnson, uh, my good friend Bill Johnson, <laughs> as he says, he says, revival must lead to reformation where culture itself is changed. That's why I didn't mind the testimonies that were being shared earlier because it's bigger than just these four walls it's, it's about actually trying to change culture what does that mean it means that it's not that they look at us and say what's going on over there it's that they look at us and say i must find out what your position is on x before i implement this okay i remember sharing this in in jubilee church in Camarillo about lawmakers and policy holders lobbyists, uh, they have to come to the church first to inquire and say, what is your position on this decision we're about to make? Local MPs coming and sitting in to, look, we've got a big meeting tomorrow. Yes, I'm not a believer, but I always realise when I come here, I get some wisdom. Okay? Now, the, the, the issue is we have relegated revival to lost souls getting saved. That's, that's our terminology. As soon as we have en masse salvation... That's a revival. Yeah. Okay. But that should be the base level of our expectations. I watched a sermon for the umpteenth time yesterday, last night, just briefly, just 10 minutes of it. And it reminded me of something that I wasn't going to necessarily mention, but I must mention now, that actually revival, which means something that is dead, becoming alive, in a true sense, actually is more of a renewal in the sense that we ourselves are revitalized as well. I'm not dead, okay? I am alive, I'm, I'm alive in Christ. You know, because of the salvation, I'm now past death. Um, like we sang earlier, there ain't no grave that can hold me. Okay? So having moved now beyond death and alive, yet there is still an element of abide in me as I abide in you. There's fruit, there's more that can be birthed from me. 
And so when the presence of God arrives in, in the way that we would call revival, it's not just about us looking outward and saying, lost, come in, get saved. It's about those who are already saved, being renewed, refreshed, and then re-released into the world as mature sons of God. That's how you change culture. Because you're not going to have a board meeting here. You're going to have a board meeting at work and on Wednesday. So I need someone on fire for Jesus in that meeting on Wednesday because I need the wisdom of God present in that meeting because if the wisdom of God is not present, they are lost. Okay, is that black and white for me? If I'm in the building, I, you know, you've heard me say this umpteen times. If I walk into, the, the moment I walk into any building, the advantage goes up because I'm there. And I have the complete fullness of the Godhead inside of me. I have a do, or Colossians 2 is a lie. It's not a lie. So I have the complete fullness of the Godhead inside of me. So wherever I walk, even the jobs that turn me down, it's their loss. Because they could have had the wisdom of heaven, the very brain that, that orchestrated the complexity of creation that they're still, after thousands of years of scientific development, still only now finding out some of the rudimentary basics. That brain that was able to work out the mathematics, the Pythagoras, the trigonometry, all that stuff, I hope I haven't lost anyone. That brain is on the inside of me. And you said no? That's fine. I'll dust, this, dust the dirt off my sandals and I'll go elsewhere. Okay? And I go wherever the Lord wants me because there is no plan, there is no um, devil, there's no um, principality. Pick, pick the biggest one. There's none of them that could stop what God has planned for my life. So if it's a no from you, it wasn't, it wasn't you anyway, it was him. He said, no, that's not the one. I thought it was the one, but actually he said, no, I'm going to go somewhere else. You said, yes, that must be him because he would never allow a yes when it should be a no. These are the terms and conditions of the family business like we spoke about last time. So that is the end goal, guys, that the way of the kingdom so impacts earth that the way we build society is forever changed. This is why I cannot be intimidated by darkness. I refuse to be intimidated by darkness. I don't care what policy you hear about, what videos you watch, what conspiracy theory, truth, false, whatever, fake news, big news, breaking news, <laughs> whatever news it is. It doesn't matter to me. It cannot intimidate one who has light. It's, it's just, it doesn't happen anymore. Because if I, if I have Isaiah 60 as a truth and inside of me, then darkness covers the earth. Indeed, great darkness shall cover the earth, and the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon you. So I choose to focus on the glory of the Lord being seen upon me, even in the presence of great darkness. So as the darkness is ramping up, and it is, I work in schools, it is. <laughs> As it's ramping up, I'm like, that means there must be more glory. Because there is not one iota of that scripture that is untrue. So it gives me great hope and great confidence in every situation I face. Again, that the way of the kingdom impacts earth so that the way we build society is forever changed. Our work culture, our family ethics, our moral compass. We must bring in a shift from the inside out. Right, we're going to look at the importance of seed. Okay, um, because I've got this PowerPoint, you're going to have to read the Bible for yourself um, on your own device, or if you've got a paper one. Um, if you don't have one, turn to your neighbour and say, I'm sorry. 
can I can I borrow your Bible? Um, to Matthew 13, 1 to 11, you'll see the key components there. I'll summarize it there for you guys, and we'll go through that in a moment. Let's say 1 to 11. Okay, I'm just going to read it quick. So it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting beside the sea. But such great crowds gathered about him that he got into a boat and remained sitting there whilst the throng stood on the shore. He told them many things in parables, stories by way of illustration and comparison, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell by the roadside, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and at once they sprang up because there was no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched because they had no root, they dried up and withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil. That was your moment to say, that's me. That's me. And yielded grain, some a hundred times as much as was sown, some sixty times as much, some thirty. And then Jesus says one of his favorite sayings, he who has ears to hear, let him be listening, let him consider and perceive and comprehend by hearing. The disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? He replied to them, to you it has been given to know the secrets and mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. The importance of seed okay, is described here. The first thing I wanted to bring to everyone's attention is that everyone had a fair chance to receive the same seed. Every single one of us, every church community has had a fair chance to inherit the seed of the Father and therefore produce harvest a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. So we can no longer turn around and say, yeah, but it's all well and good, but they've got a Bill Johnson at Bethel. So of course they would end up where they've ended up. Oh, but they've got this, they've got that. They've got a building, they've got a sound system, they've got a thousand members, they've got locations all over. They've got the ground floor, we've got the third. No more excuses. Everyone has the same access to the same seed. Okay? And if the seed doesn't thrive, don't blame the sower. Check the ground. Right? If the seed isn't bringing forth harvest, the one thing that changed wasn't the potency of the seed. The thing that changed was the ground. So if there is a situation where we're seeing that the seed is not bringing forth fruit, it must be the ground that needs to be checked, uh, watered, must be uh, changed, okay, adjusted, right, in order for the seed to thrive, okay? We see here even the birds of the air and, and the wind came and took the seed, okay? So how do we protect our seed? How do we make sure that the seed is, is held um, in high regard, that nothing comes and contaminates that which the Lord has given us. Okay? How do we ensure that nothing contaminates the, the ministry of his presence that he has given to us, the, the access to his presence that he's given to us? That's something we need to think about. Uh, next scripture about seed, Genesis 2, 6 to 8. This is talking about um, the Garden of Eden. Um, it says, But there went up a mist 
fog, vapour, from the land and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life. And man became a living being. Verse 8, pay attention to this. And the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, delight, and there he put the man whom he had formed, framed, constituted. Okay, so we have this, um, there, there went up a mist. Okay, so God himself made sure that the, the ground was being watered. I have to go to the next. Father takes responsibility for the planting of the garden. I'm going to ask you a question. What came first, the man or the garden? There's a bit of a split opinion there. What came first, the man or the garden? I'm going to read first verse. So they went up a mist from the land and watered the whole surface of the ground. Okay, we have a bit there. The Lord formed man. Man became a living being. Verse 8. Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he put the man. I would say the garden gave birth. He planted the garden, and then he put the man inside the garden. The first man was placed into a garden. The garden came first. The place of his presence was implemented first before the man was put in place. Why is that a key point? We don't initiate revival. We inherit revival. We do not initiate revival. We inherit revival. We have, at this church, 30 plus years of momentum. 30 plus years of gardens being watered, seed being planted. So whenever that day one hits... Let us not have the arrogance and pride to think it was because we were fasting. Because you have 30 years of people <coughs> fasting. There was 30 years worth of sermons being preached. There are 30 years of worship services being released in this church under the banner of Commonwealth. I'll show you a story. When we went down to Norwich for the first chosen, right? Um, you know what it's like. You're in the worship team, so you're there in every service. Um, and it was an early morning service, like crack of dawn. It was ridiculously early, right? Uh, well, it felt early because we'd been up late the night before. And I got there and, you know, we're kind of just sorting out sound check and whatnot. And then they led a little prayer service before the actual service. I, I think it was Pastor Julie leading it. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was one of Pastor Julie's friends and she introduced her. So she comes on and she says that, you know, the Lord had had her up in the night with a burden to pray for the youth of our generation, of our, of our nation, sorry. So I was like, oh, that's a good prayer, you know. There had been a spate of crime and, and whatnot in the news and she was, it would burden her and she was like, let's lead this prayer. And I remember standing at the back and just hearing them pray for me, for my generation. And then the Lord said to me, look at everyone that's in the room. There was no one under the age of 55 in that room. All middle class white ladies. All of them. Grey haired. Some of them had walking sticks. And they were there petitioning heaven for the young people of the nation. 
I thought, and God, this is what God said to me, he said, you do not know which young person's life has been spared in Peterborough, in Colchester, in Croydon, in, in Birmingham, because of that lady's prayer. We do not initiate revival, we inherit revival. There are people who have been praying in the background long before you even showed up, before you even decided to turn up and join this church and become a member and a card-carrying member and, and all that stuff and season ticket holder at the church, you know what I mean? <laughs> long before you turned up, there was someone else in that seat. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed. And yes, they may not have seen the fullness of what they prayed for, but God remembers their prayer. And God would say that when I show up, it's not just because you guys did this and you sacrificed and you said yes and, and you gave up this time and you, gave, and you answered me, you walked in obedience and you kept true to the call. It's because I remember sister in 2002. I remember so-and-so in 1995. I remember when this worship leader released this prophetic song in 1999. And I have to, I have to because of the person I am as a father, I have to honour all these words. There has to be. Every single one of them, because not one of them should fall to the ground. That better be Jesus calling. <laughs> Can't resist. Can't resist. Can't resist. Can't resist, man. So he said, "You don't know which life has been spared, which crime has, which school um, application has gone through, which bursary has been awarded, which." Financial difficulty has just been lifted, which divorce has just been averted as these people were praying. They're praying in tongues for, it was like a 45-minute prayer. All about the young people, and not one of them was under the age of 55, maybe even older. And it was so powerful because I was there, and I'm like, you do not know who you're praying for, yet you're praying. So we don't initiate revival, we inherit it, Okay. Let's not have any sort of arrogance. Something must die. John 12, uh, 23. Contents of John 12 and... John, John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. John 12, he goes and spends some time with him, has some dinner. Um, imagine that. <laughs> the man was dead just however long ago, and then now you're having dinner at his house. Um, John 12, 23, I'll just read a little short passage. Jesus answered them, he said, The time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified and exalted. 24, I assure you, most solemnly I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just one grain. It never becomes more but lives by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces many others and yields a rich harvest. Anyone who loves his life loses it, but anyone who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. Whoever has no love for, no concern for, no regard for his life here on earth, but despises it, preserves his life, Forever and ever. He says here, I assure you, most suddenly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies. The thing is, he's saying here, if it doesn't fall to the earth and die, it will still live. 
there is a level of productivity that a single grain can give you of its own accord. See, in sports, particularly my sports team, there's a level of productivity that one player out of 11 can give you. But when the other 10 are letting you down, it's a very tough time to watch. Okay? Those of you who know who I support know what I'm talking about. But it's when the collective give of themselves. It's when the collective buy into the idea of sacrifice and it's when one grain and the other grain and the other grain and the other grain and the other grain is when they all collectively say, this is what we are going to lay down. I'm okay with giving up what he's asked me to give up. It yields a rich harvest. Like I said, by yourself, let me speak to me because I don't want you guys to get offended. By myself, I can have an impact. I, I had someone recently say to me, um, I've had a few people recently, Yo, where are your videos, man? All these people, not Christians. What do you mean, my videos? Yeah, man, like your, the stuff you're putting on Instagram. Man. I, was, I was looking forward to the next one. Conviction. Ooh. Oh, sorry, man. I just <laughs> haven't put any out yet. You know. Old friends of mine who I didn't even know were even checking for these videos. Right? I wouldn't have even thought had any sort of connection to the gospel that I was sharing. And yet they were like, dude, like, I'm waiting, man. I need, I need you to put a post, man. I like it. I like what I'm seeing. Okay, cool. So I have an impact. But I don't know your boss. Your boss may never hear my words. You may send them my sermon and they never listen to it. But they're sitting there in that board meeting with you and you come up with that idea that completely changes the destiny of that building, of that um, cohort, of that intake, of, of that company. And that's when they want to talk. That's when they want to have a conversation. There are things that you can do that I will never be able to do. If it, there wasn't, you wouldn't be here. So now we can finally keep, not finally, now we can commit ourselves to smashing the idea of you, not me. Of looking and going, it'll be them, it won't be us. It'll be him, it won't be me. It'll be her, it won't be me. I don't sing like that person, I don't preach like that person, I don't, etc., etc. The pattern of life has been set. Harvest follows sacrifice. Okay? Something must die for there to be life. We see it in the plan of salvation itself. Okay, so that's John 12. The danger of revival, this is my next subtopic. Don't your neighbours say, ooh. Lighten the mood a bit. The danger of revival. We're going to take a quick dive into the Old Testament quickly. Um, 2 Kings 2. Um, yeah, 2 Kings 2, 1 to 12. <clears throat> it's one of my favourite stories. Um, just for the characters involved, okay, um, and the narrative. 1 to 12. So it says, uh, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were going from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elijah, Tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. 
But Elisha replied and said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The prophet's sons who were at Bethel came to Elisha and said, Do you know that your Lord will take that the Lord will take your master away from you today? He said, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Say thy tongue. Shut up. Elijah said to him, yeah, Elijah, tarry here, I pray you, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Guess who showed up at Jericho? The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elijah and said, do you know that the Lord will take your master away from you today? And he answered, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Elijah said to him, tarry here, stay here, I pray you. For the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And, but he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of prophets also went and stood to watch afar off. And the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up and struck the waters. And they divided this way and that so that the two of them went over on dry ground. When they had gone over, Elijah now says to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Verse 10, he said, you have asked a hard thing. However, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they still went on and talked, behold, a chariot of fire and horses of fire parted the two of them. And Elijah went out by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his clothes and tore them in two pieces. Okay, we're not going to go on much more than that. The danger of revival, guys. Three times in this narrative, Elisha had the opportunity to be offended. Elijah's making his way. Everyone knows what's about to happen. Elisha has committed his life to Elijah. And three times Elijah says, yo, stay here. Stay. Elisha doesn't get offended. The sons of the prophets, the deep folk in church, right? They turn up to Elisha and they say, hey, what are you doing? Like, you don't have to go with him. You're crazy. Do you, I'm, I'm inserting a bit of you know, nuance to the, to the story. You're crazy. Like, what's going on? Like, dude, just stay with us. Like, you know what's about to happen. He's about to go and, and it's fine. Like, they were correct. Their prophetic word was correct. They had and every opportunity, three times at least, he had the opportunity to be offended. I guarantee even more, more than the scripture tells us. They turn this way, turn that way. They're on this part of the journey, whatever. And Elijah is probably looking like, oh, you're still here. We know Elijah was a bit of a brash and rough around the edges character. And Elijah has to take every single step knowing that the man he's with has told him to stop, to stay. Yet every single step is a step where he overcomes the offence. You've been praying, you've been having these dreams that you will lay hands on people in the wheelchair and they'll jump up. You've been having those dreams for 10, 15 years. What happens if everyone else lays hands on someone, they jump up and you never do? 
Oh, but I've got these songs, guys. I got worship team. I've got one for you guys. Hey, what happens when we don't sing it? Thanks. Yeah, thanks for your submission. Man. It hasn't made it onto the album. Oh, when will they see my gift? When will they see my talent? When will they see I'm a drummer? Yo, I'm that guy. Sorry, the Lord said to go in a different way. We're going to go with this guy or this girl, not, not, not you. And there's an opportunity there in the midst of everything that's going on for you to be offended. It's interesting because if you study the, the meanings of the words, the, the places where he was, Gilgal means circle, Bethel means house of God, um, and the last one, not Jordan, Jericho means house of fragrance. I only found this out yesterday when the Lord told me to add this in. <laughs> What's this circle business? The circle, that's the routine. So the first stop was just in the routine. Every Sunday we're coming here, doing the same thing, the same thing. We worship, we pray, we listen to the word, we hug, we have some croissants, and then we go home. And it wasn't that day, that wasn't day one. But we go, we come back. Oh, now we're changing time of the service, or now we're moving location, now we're going to our fifth building in four years, or whatever it is. Now I've got to do this. Now it's the routine of it all. I wish there was 500, not 50. Because it would help if I didn't have to come in and drive the van every single week. I didn't have to do sound and, oh, Jonathan has about 10 different jobs that he does. Jonathan had to do a job every two months. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. I could do that. You know, it's great. But at what point does Jonathan every week has to overcome? There's more guys to help with it. The circle, the routine of life, there's an opportunity in that circle to get offended. Then we move. He shows up. It's the house of God now. This place is known as the house of God. It is a Bethel where people from across the, the, the city, the country, the nations, whatever, are coming in. Things are starting to pop off, right? Things are we're being spoken about. A word is getting out. The masses are coming. Oh. How come I'm not a rotor as much as I used to be? Oh, they don't want me to do the offering. Oh, they've only been there like two years. We've been putting in this work for 10 years and now they're leading prayer ministry? Interesting. Another opportunity to get offended. When this place is transformed and it's now openly known as a Bethel, a house of God, where literally there is an open dialogue between heaven and earth. We know that there is anyway, but I'm talking about when it's front-facing, when now... People across are hearing about what's going on. That's another opportunity where we get we can get offended. And this final iteration, the place, the house of fragrance, when his presence fills the place so much so that we do not have the room to minister. We can't stand to minister. You know, like in Solomon's temple. At that point there, like I said, when you're no longer being asked to pray for the sick, you're just AN member of Mega Church CCF, let's say, where you're just the fifth keyboardist. Well, yeah, we're going to put you on children's ministry. Where's that? At the back, downstairs, go here, on the left, it's one of them rooms. When we were at that size, 
and the intensity and the potency of his presence is at an all-time high, that's another opportunity where you can get offended. We must guard our hearts against offense. Okay? This is the danger of revival. When things start to kick off, the enemy knows he can't necessarily stop the move of God, but he can slow it down. And he will slow it down by trying to provide friction between the brethren, where, like the scripture says, if you have offense in your heart between you and your brother, don't come to the worship, don't come to the altar. Jesus said it. He said, it's better for you to go back, deal with that, before you come and contribute to the fire. I say this as a warning. I say, and, this is, and this is something that the Lord speaks to me about constantly with the worship team. It says, make sure things are good because do not contaminate the altar. And the enemy is sly in the sense that he will start the process here and he will wait. And it could be 20 years before he disrupts the move of God. But he will wait. He'll be patient. He'll wait for that offence that you had between you and that person. It started in 2015. And now all of a sudden, we're at the point where it's, 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 it's 2035 and you're still having that issue with that brother and sister. What is going on? When will we put these things to one side? So we must learn to walk in perpetual forgiveness. Right? Like Elisha and Elijah. You're telling me to stop. I'm telling you I'm coming with you and you're telling me to stop and stay here. I'm not going to get offended as we go from the routine to the house of God to the place of fragrance. The final thing from this passage is his will or is not at all, right? And the question is, where is your focus? Okay. Is your focus on the sign or is the focus on whom the sign points to? What does he say? He says, I want a double portion. I have heard that preached a thousand times. Double portion, double portion, the mantle. He hit the Jordan and he had the same. He had 14 miracles. The 14th one was um, after he died. Elijah had seven recorded miracles. All those kind of stuff. I've heard it preached, double portion. For me, the most important part of the story is if you see me when I go. What was he saying there? He was saying, when I go, there could be some distractions. There could be some things around me, but you need to keep your eye on me as it all kicks off. And then you'll receive the double portion. What was he saying? He was alerting him. Chariots, fire, pyrotechnics, fireworks, crazy stuff you've never seen before. But whilst that's all going on, look at me. Look at me. Did you hear about CCF? They had 15 empty wheelchairs at the end of the service. Jesus is there going, look at me. Look at me. Did you hear what happened? The drummer started playing and all of a sudden that tumour leapt off the person's body. Yeah, that's all well and good. Look at me. Look at me. If you see me, you'll receive. That's the narrative. It's, it's almost expected that we are focused on the double portion. Because we're so works orientated that we're not person orientated. The, the story is not the double portion. The story is who we're looking at. A sign and a wonder is just that. It is a sign which points us to the, the wonder himself in Christ Jesus. When it all kicks off, and it will kick off, it will go crazy for a little while. 
There might be a queue outside. There might be news cameras. There might be whatever. Criticism. There might be journalists showing up trying to get the inside scoop. Trying to take us down. Trying to undermine what the Lord is doing here. When all of that happens, will we still be able to find that precious moment where our eyes are just on him? Okay? I've learned this firsthand. Sometimes when, you know, I remember being in Norway and we were healing the sick and there was a whole line of them and they kept coming up. Or even that chosen, that, that Wednesday night that I would reference. Person after person after person and every single moment God kept saying to me, look at me, look at me. And I would feel the pressure. I'm like, Lord, how do I pray for 15 people? How do I pray for 100 people? How do I pray for, you know, how do, you know, some, I remember one service I did, this is years ago in Birmingham. And I had preached, I preached on Thomas, right? I preached on Thomas and, and the doubting one. He's, he doesn't doubt, he now believes. That's the end of the story. And I preached on Thomas and talked about one touch from the Lord. It was at a youth conference at a New Testament Church of God in Birmingham. And I finished and their bishop came on and, you know, all called. And he says, young man, I want you to pray for all these young people. I'm like 20 years old. I'm like, okay, cool. And I remember I came forward and I'm like, Lord, what do I do? He's like praying tongues. And I mean, it was going crazy. The music was going, people in tongues and crying and all this stuff is happening. And God was like, look at me. He said, pray for this person. I'll never forget, this is the first person I ever saw happen. I prayed for him and I remember I put my hand, I held his hand. And I felt the power of God literally go from this shoulder to his shoulder. <laughs> and he went flying. You know what? There was no catches, like carnage. People said, go, go, go. And I'm looking at my best friend. And she's looking at me like, we've never seen this before. You prayed for people before. Huh? You've never seen that. And I was like, and then I'm like, Lord, I'm scared to touch the next person. Because I'm like, what if it happens again? And what do we do now? What's the church thing to do? What's the protocol? What's the, the agreed way? And it's not even my church. I'm just coming to another man's house and started, what do I do? What do I do? Just look at me. If you see me as I go, there is a double portion waiting for you. Let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus, which leads to my next and final subject: the centrality of Jesus. This is how we embrace revival. I'm just going to do a quick recap because I'm a teacher. This is what we do. Every garden starts with a seed. We do not know when the first day of the rest of our lives will be. There is an importance on the seed and the seed and the garden that we are uh, has been planted by the Father. We don't initiate revival, we inherit revival. In order to do that, something must die. Um, and even though there are dangers within revival, we can avoid them if we keep our eyes on Jesus. The centrality of Jesus, John 21, 3 to 7. So Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, and we are coming with you. So they went out and got into the boat, and throughout the night they caught nothing. Morning was already breaking when Jesus came to the beach and stood there. 
However, the disciples did not know it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, boys, children, do you have any meat? You do not have any meat, fish, do you? Have you caught anything to eat along with your bread? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat, you will find some. So they cast the net, and now they were not able to haul it in for such a big catch. Mass quantity of fish was in it. <laughs> Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Simon Peter, hearing him say that it was the Lord, put, girded on his upper garment, his fisherman's coat, his outer tunic, for he was stripped for work, and sprang into the sea. The story goes on to talk about how he went and obviously <coughs> made sure he got to the shore and embraced Jesus, and there's a story to come after that. Interesting. What did Peter discover that Adam didn't know about? Before this point, Peter, when Jesus was arrested, had denied Christ three times. That is the last notion, the last mention we have of Peter before this point, is that he had been there, he denied Christ three times and ran in shame. Okay, I think one of the the gospel says that Jesus, when the cock crowed, he looked at Peter, their eyes met. So we have this man who is burdened by shame. Now, if you remember who Peter was, he was the unofficially elected chief spokesman for all the disciples, right? Bit of a big mouth, you know, got the whole sword in his pocket ready to strike at any point, kind of persona, okay? And we know where he ends up. But at this point, all of that potential and destiny is hidden underneath remorse, shame, guilt, denial. Okay? But when it is pointed out to Peter whom this person is, his reaction is not the same as Adam. When God showed up for a walk in the garden, back to these gardens, Adam went and hid. When Jesus showed up on the shore, Peter jumped into the water to go and get close to it. Because what happened in the three and a half years is that Christ had re-centered the Hebraic idea of who God the Father is, so much so that where Peter, and actually if you read the first time you see Peter, he has the boat, and Jesus um, steps into his boat, preaches, does a miracle, and it says that Peter shrank back in fear from him. Because as a Hebrew, that's what you would have done. As a Jewish boy, when, obviously, Rabbi, but Messiah, is in the building, they would have shrank back in horror because they had been taught there must be distance. We see it in the book of Exodus, when Moses goes up to meet with God on, on the mountain, comes back down, they see all the thunder and lightning, they say, Moses, you go speak to him, we are cool down here. <laughs> right? You want to go into that, that cloud? That's on you. But us, we're we here. You go and talk to me and come back and just tell us what he, what he wants. And that launches thousands of years of law and distance between the Father. But if you notice, the cloud was actually coming down the mountain before they rejected it. That's our another story. So we're in the situation where now, having been with Christ for three and a half years, 
the ambitions and the desires of the Jewish heart had been reconfigured so that when, even in the midst of his guilt, shame, sin, he jumps into the water to get close to him. Doesn't even wait. But let us note this. Remember I talked about this when we talked in my previous sermon about Beloved. Peter was known as the, the zealous one, okay? Peter had a lot of zeal, a lot of energy. But in the absence of Christ, all that energy returns to normality. What does he go for? Hey guys, I'm going fishing. And then they all say, I'm going to follow you. Why? Because his zeal put him in a position of leadership. But it didn't put him in a position of clarity. Because when Jesus shows up, who's the one that points it out? The disciple whom Jesus loved. We talked about this last time. It is important that we identify ourselves as the beloved. Ephesians 1 talks about this. Okay? It's important that we identify ourselves in the beloved because that gives us a clarity, clarity to look and tell the sinner, tell the one who's burdened by guilt, tell the one who's burdened by shame, hey, look, there's your saviour. And he is so attractive to them that they jump in the water and go find him. Long gone are the times where we have to bring Jesus to them. Now we just need to point them out. And they will say, because Jesus is the desire of the nations. He is the most attractive choice on earth when properly revealed. We're not talking about Old Testament revelation. We're not talking about, um, yeah, I'm not going to go into particulars. I'm talking about when he is properly revealed in our midst, when he's properly revealed in our lives, when he's properly revealed in our choices, in our language, in, in, our, in the way we conduct ourselves, in, in whatever situation we find ourselves, when he is properly revealed, he becomes attractive. It is the reason why time and time again people at work ask me why I do not fear. Why do you not panic when we're talking about... Are you not, you're not afraid about X, Y, Z, the war in Ukraine and gas prices and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 I'm good. But, but why? And I say, this is literally my line I say to all of them, I say, I'm a Christian. I said, and if he is who he says he is, I don't need to fear. Tell me more. Some of them just laugh, chuckle and go, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> the seed is sown. The garden is on its way. Now, in that moment, I could be like, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, well, yeah, it's a pretty serious situation, isn't it? But that'd be me lying. It is serious. But the way I think about these things is not the same way you think about these things if you do not know Christ. I have a distinct advantage. I have a distinct uh, benefit that I am now enjoying. It's called the peace of God. It's called um, the absence of fear. His perfect love breaks down fear and it gets rid of fear in my life. So because I'm in this position, I can help you out because I am the beloved. Can we here at church create the water that the lost swim through to find Jesus waiting for them on the shore? The presence that we host here and the, the way we worship, the way we talk, the way it becomes this sea. And one by one, the shameful, the, those who have regrets, those who have doubts, the atheists, the confused, the unstable, they jump. Let me go find this Jesus they were singing about. Let me go find this Jesus they were talking about. 
let me go find this Jesus that they referenced. Let me go find this Jesus that they, they, they were so excited about when he showed up. It didn't make sense to me. I've never been in a situation like this. I felt this feeling down my back, but I don't understand it. But let me go find who they're talking about. Uh, let me do a quick Google search. Let me see if I can find the sermon. Hey, do you guys got any podcasts? Can I find you on Spotify? Um, what was that song you were singing? Can you just sing it into my phone so I can remember it? Because that lyric, it, just, it, it really caught my attention. Why? Because I'm pointing you to a properly revealed Christ. And if I do that, if he be lifted up, he will... If we are going to do this thing properly, in the Garden Revival, there is so much... I can talk about this forever. I am. That is my job, to talk about it forever. <laughs> if we're going to do this properly... We need to ensure that there is a centrality of Christ. He must be at the absolute center of everything we do. My talent on the keyboard cannot be at the center of our worship experience. We, I don't want you to tr go around and saying worship is great because we've got David on keys. No, 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 no. Get rid of that. That's foolish. Because <clears throat> if my hand breaks, what happens next? <laughs> No, no, no. It's not because I'm here. It's not because this level of talent's in the room or we've got these prayer warriors and they've been fasting for 30 days. It's not because of that that you should come and investigate. It's because we have Jesus himself in our midst. And he's bigger than any period of fasting. He's bigger than any talent on the keyboard. He's bigger than any public speaking proficiency where, oh, that sermon really roused me or whatever the case may be. No, 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 no. It is Christ. It may be the simple simple soft word he speaks to that person's heart where he says it's going to be alright you know you don't even know that person's sitting there and they have not thought it was going to be alright for 10 days straight they've been in the depth of depression and they heard a little moment where he says it's going to be alright and that changes their destiny changes their journey it changes the way they look at their week changes their relationship with their mum because it was straining their mum out that they were depressed for 10 days it changes their eating patterns because they hadn't eaten for 10 days because they were so stressed out and all of a sudden that one word from Jesus take away the songs take away the sermons take away the keyboard take away all of that take away the talent take away the gifting if we have Christ we have the advantage and if we have Christ we'll have a viable breakout We don't need, actually no, it's okay. Do you have a garden? Yes. It is time to end, for once and for all, the secular and sacred divide. There isn't one. There never was one. We put that in to make ourselves feel comfortable um, and to bring the promises of God into an area that we can control. Okay, so it, it helped us to go, well, that's them and this is us. That's over there and this is... Us. And I understand there was light in Goshen and Egypt, all that stuff. I understand that. But we are called to go into the dark and to take the sacred and invade that which we call secular. So the moment you walk into your job, it is now anointed. That area is now anointed. The moment you walk into um, Tesco, that Tesco is now anointed. You don't know. On hour 17, you may be able to minister the power of God to that lady with cerebral palsy, right? He was trying to reach 
the milk on the third aisle, third shelf, and she couldn't get it. And you said, can I help? Not only did you get the milk, but you said, silver and gold have I not. But such as I have, I give to thee. Be healed in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, she's healed. And that was it. That's the only reason why God told you to go. You walk out, you still forgot the bread. <laughs> and the milk. Yeah, the milk. Started right there. But Jesus was revealed. Jesus was revealed. It sounds, it sounds hilarious, but he actually cares. Like, if you're looking for this thing to be just in the four walls, forget it, you've got it completely wrong. Because they need it out there. You can see it, turn the news on, they need it. Right? If you ever want to break free from a four-wall type mentality, just watch the news and realise there is so much out there we can never even think to contain it in the four walls. But we can host and we can engage and we can encounter within these four walls to harness the potency that has been given to us and say, right, such as I have. See, because as much as James and John were by themselves on the street, um, you have to remember they were at prayer meetings with the others and they were hosting the presence of God. They were learning how to pray in tongues and they were engaging with scripture. They had been with Jesus so much so that when walking down the street, um, then Peter's shadow started to um, display that which overshadowed him. So do you have a garden? Yes, you do. We do not need more pulpit preachers. Please, we do not need any more pulpit preachers. We need more disciples whom Jesus loves. Ready and willing to be identified by the love of God and thereby recognizing and harnessing his transformative power. Okay, if you're ready and willing to be identified by the love of God, you then begin to harness his transformative power. CCF, we no longer have a choice whether you are in full-time ministry or not. Your ministry is the garden. And you tend to the garden that you've been placed in to exercise the authority of the king and his kingdom until that which is on earth mirrors that which is in heaven. My final scripture is Isaiah 62, 4. I've actually put it here. For Zion's sake I will I, Isaiah, not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until her imputed righteousness and vindication go forth as brightness, and her salvation radiates as does a burning torch. And the nations shall see your righteousness and vindication, your rightness and justice, not your own, but the one he's ascribed to you. And all kings shall behold your salvation and glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. You shall also be so beautiful and prosperous as to be thought of as a crown of glory and honour in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem exceedingly beautiful in the hand of your God. You, Judah, shall no more be termed forsaken, nor shall your land be called desolate any more. But you should be called Hepzibah. My delight is in her. Your land will be called Beulah, married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married, owned and protected by the Lord. When the Lord asked me to study the Garden of Revival, he said to me, it, it exists between Isaiah 59 and 62. Okay? There's so many things that one day I may share it in full. But the end point is this, 62. 
that the Lord will marry himself to our land. That England will no longer be turned forsaken. No longer be turned desolate. So I will not cease from mental fight. Nor shall my sword sleep in my hand. Till we have built Jerusalem from England's green and pleasant land. We sang that song at church, at school, church, same thing. Um, we sang it, Jerusalem. And it struck me to hear 200 boys, all under the age of 12, not even knowing how perfect they were being. And they said, I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. And then the organ started playing, and I just went, yes, amen. Should this not be our mantra, should not be our motto, our essence, that we will not rest. We won't stop pursuing him. We won't stop hosting him. We won't stop until we have built his city, the city of the Lord. Here, <clears throat> could it not be, think about it, in 10 months or in 10 years, however long it takes, that London is known as the city of the Lord, where they flock, they fly into Heathrow, Catwick, or maybe even City Airport, maybe even Luton, if it's on a budget. <coughs> they, they fly in, right? And they, they land. What is your purpose here? I need to go to the house of the Lord. Why are you here? I, I heard about the stuff on the news, and I just thought I'd check it out. Where are you going? There's a church in Clapham. There's a church in Tottenham. There's a church in Peckham. Because it will be bigger than us. A garden is a garden. He plants it and then he places men in it. And it's going to start to thrive. You guys remember the vision that I shared with you um, a while back of the, um, the angels arriving in London. I remember seeing one in Regent's Park, <clears throat> as I was walking with a friend of mine, we were just talking and praying. And I saw an angel land in Regent's Park, and I said, Lord, why, why here? Why are they not at church, or why are they not at such and such, St. Peter's, St. John, St. whatever? Why are they not there? And he said, because my angels know that gardens are where my presence is. So London is covered with gardens. My angels are taking up residence, and they'll wait. And they'll wait. And they'll wait. And they'll wait. What are they waiting for? Well, they're created beings, right? What does it say about creation? From the manifestation. We're just talking about that grown. That word there, grown, is the same word and in, in essence it uses when it talks about Jesus. Knowing Jesus in John 11, it said that he prayed. Um, no, sorry, Jesus wept when Lazarus died. And then Jesus says, this incredible statement says, Father, you have heard me pray. When did you pray? Because you were just crying. Study it out. He was groaning. What happened after the groan? A dead man was raised. Revival. That which was dead came to life. After a groan, that urgent groan, something has to come forth. 
Patience waiting for the sons of God. Manifestation of the sons of God. That's the weosthesia. Okay, the mature sons of God. The same word where it's used about adoption. Ephesians 1 again talks about it. That we have been adopted, revealed. It's not taking someone from outside the family and placing them in the family. That's modern adoption. You know what Jewish adoption looks like? Jewish adoption is when a, someone who is already in the family reaches a place of maturity that they are placed in authority. They become the heir. That's why, that's why Paul takes so much time to talk about adoption. Because it's not that you weren't with us. It was that you were with us, you just didn't know who you were. That's why he says, Blessing be to the Lord God, Father of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, who has given us every spiritual blessing. Because even as he chose us in his love, that we might be holy, right? set apart, blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. For he preordained that we may be adopted. And then in brackets it says, revealed. That we might be adopted, revealed as his own children, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with the purpose of his will. Because it pleased him, it was his kind intent the next verse says, so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, which he has freely bestowed upon us in his love. Right? These are the scriptures we need to be obsessive about. He's freely bestowed upon us in his love. Through him we have, it goes on to say, through him we have the redemption through his blood and the remission of our sins in accordance the riches and generosity of his gracious favour which he has lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding. This is who we are. This is who you are. He has freely bestowed upon us the maturity of sonship in the beloved. Because of that, we have every kind of wisdom and understanding, practical insight and prudence. What shall we say then to these things? If God before us, who can be against us? Father, we give you praise, we give you glory, we thank you that you are indeed beautiful. And, and it's like the scriptures, not scriptures, it's like the song lyric says, We will not cease from mental fight, nor shall our sword sleep in our hand till we have built Jerusalem, England's green, pleasant land. Father, we commit ourselves afresh to the work of the Father and we embrace the call to revival. We embrace the call to host you in a way that we've never hosted before. That you may show up and show out and do what you want to do and inconvenience us should you need to. If you show up at 11.30 or 2.30, whatever it is, Lord Jesus, we celebrate you. We honour you. We continue to make space. Holy Spirit, teach us how to make space. Teach us the times in our day that we can give of more. Teach us how we can move things around and how we can, but yeah, sometimes inconvenience ourselves in order to host and convenience you. Because your call has gone out. Your word has gone out. There will be revival, a coming revival in this house. So we're going to boldly talk about it. We're not going to hold back from talking about it. We're going to talk about it amongst ourselves. 
to whomever you want us to talk about it, the Garden Revival, that's what we're building, that's what we're looking at, that's what we're hosting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Bless you. Blessed be your name. Okay. This is an instruction. Um, this week, okay, please, I, I urge you, this week, um, find some time in your prayer time just to ask God and say, Lord, what's my seed? What do you want me to plant? What's my, what's my corner of the garden that is CCF? Because there's so many different aspects to it. Some of us it'll be healing, some of us it'll be property, some of us it'll be stewarding, some of us it'll be there's different aspects of how he's going to build this garden within our, in our midst. He knows he's the master gardener. Okay? So just ask him, Lord, what's my, what's my, what seed have you given me? And he'll tell you. I'll tell you, okay, this is what I want you to do. It might be just for the next six weeks, might be for the next six years, might be for the next 60. Okay? Don't worry about the time element. Just get yourself some seed. And let's talk about it next week. Hey, what was your seed? Oh, this is it. Oh, I'll pray with you about that then. Cool. Let's pray together. Let's share these things. Let's, within these four walls, boldly talk about this stuff. What do we expect? We used to talk about miracles and malice. Miracles in Mayfair, drive-by miracle. We haven't said that in a while. Let's revitalize and revive the talk about his garden being planted in our midst. And the angels will show up. They'll show up. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 